As Pastor mentioned, uh, after the service, we encourage you to uh, pick up some of the flyers uh, that you could hand out uh, to the Christmas musical and to invite uh, people out. Uh, we're having two showings on that Saturday evening and Sunday evening, and so uh, please take advantage of that. You can also pick up some tickets as well. And so, again, um, you don't have to purchase tickets. You just need to pick them up. And it's always great to have these in your hand. And when you invite uh, folks to come out and say, hey, I got you some tickets, all right? You don't have to tell them it's free. But uh, give them some tickets and uh, tell them that uh, I'm expecting you to come one of those nights, either Saturday or Sunday evening. Uh, So it's only about a month away. And uh, so let's uh, make every effort in inviting lost people uh, to come and hear the gospel. Well, today and tonight, uh, we are privileged to have a good, very good friend of ours and of the church and our pastor, Brother Ed Pearson, uh, come fill the pulpit while our pastor is away, as Pastor mentioned earlier. Uh, Brother Pearson uh, is the uh, Bible Department Chairman of the uh, Heartland uh, Baptist uh, Bible College over in Southwest uh, Baptist uh, Church uh, over in Oklahoma City, uh, where uh, pastor Jason Gaddis is the pastor, and before that, our good friend uh, Sam Davison. And uh, so we are privileged for these men of God uh, who have invested their lives, and especially in the lives of young people, and training them in the ministry. Uh, Brother Pearson is going on, is uh, serving in that ministry for over 16 years now, and faithfully serving the Lord, seeing, investing his life, both he and his wife, investing uh, their lives into young people. And uh, before that, he's uh, pastored uh, uh, two uh, ch- different churches, and uh, so he also has a pastor's heart as well. And so that's why he's uh, such a great um, uh, person uh, to fill the pulpit while our pastor's away. So you be in prayer for him, and again, be back tonight at 5.30 for our evening service. But we look forward to, to this morning's message uh, that God has placed in his heart. Thank you, Brother Denny. God bless you. Good morning, church. We're grateful to the Lord once again to be with some of the greatest folks in the world, servants of God. Appreciate your pastor's confidence and allowance to come back once again and be with you wonderful folks here at Heritage. Thank the Lord for the friendship that we share together. And of course, we are grateful to God for what God is doing in this place here in California, how God has blessed your work and your lives and your ministries, your livelihood, so you can support the work and be faithful to the things that God set aside. Congratulations on the great meeting from your Thanksgiving time, the folks that were saved and lives that were changed. And, of course, we're glad that you're here this morning. Looking forward to the God, God of heaven working upon our hearts and lives today as well, as pastors just mentioned. So if you're here today with your Bible, let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter number 2. Joshua, chapter number 2, if you would, please. And once you're able to find that place, if you're able to stand, let's go ahead and stand and we'll read this portion of Scripture. For the opportunity of the message, I'm going to need to read the whole chapter, 24 verses. And so if you would follow along as I read aloud this morning. And I believe you have an insert there with you in the bulletin. We'll talk about that in a moment if you want to take notes a little later on. But we are so thrilled to be with you today. Looking forward to a good time in the Lord. Verse number 1 of Joshua 2. The Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shedem two men to spy secretly saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. The king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they are come to search out all the country." And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way of Jordan under the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them to the roof, and she said unto unto the men, I know the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. What you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. 
For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours. If you utter not this our business, it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourself there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. It shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. He will be guiltless. Whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. If thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came into the mountain and abode there three days, until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned. And descended from the mountain, and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and told him all the things that befell them. And they said to Joshua, Truly, the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. As we read here this morning, we find the account of a woman by the name of Rahab, whose life is transformed by the visiting of two men from the nation of Israel. I'd like to preach this morning on this subject matter, a picture of of grace, a picture of grace as found in the changed life of Rahab the harlot. May God bless and read his word. You may be seated at this time. The last time I was here was during the summertime of this year. We were able to come and visit with you with a singing group from Heartland Baptist Bible College, and I enjoyed the time of being with the church. And, of course, we had a missionary that night as well. And so we shared together from the Word of God that evening and enjoyed the special music. And, and our young people always seem to enjoy the opportunity to minister to servants of God in other parts of the country. And we thank you for the kindnesses you bestowed upon us while we were here during that time. And as a matter of fact, we took some pictures of some of the activity that took place that day, some of the joy and excitement in our hearts for that, and we reflect upon that because we've taken a picture. Nowadays, we're able to use a telephone. We call it a telephone. I say telephone. We're not talking about the kind that you dial on the wall. We're able to use a phone that's a cell phone to be able to get a connection with pictures, and many of them take wonderful pictures. Yeah, I'm old enough to recognize that when we first started taking pictures when I was a child, it was called a Polaroid camera. Back in those days where you take a picture and it just flashed out right in front of you. Any takers? Anybody remember those? A couple of you, all right. Not trying to insult anyone today. And then I remember going to a 110 camera, real skinny camera, kind of a little narrow thing, taking 110 pictures later on, 35 millimeter. You know, we were going uptown. We were getting further and further away from that just little Polaroid shot. We're able to take a bunch of pictures and in color. I mean, just exciting to see. And, And the reason why most of us take pictures is so we'll have some memories, correct? have a reflection of things from the past. Some of you have graduated from high school and your parents, when it came time for graduation, had a special table set up for you of all the wonderful memories, the trophies, the academic awards and all that that you received. And then they had pictures of you growing up. You're thinking, Mom, why are you doing that? Why are you showing some of those pictures? But pictures reflect a life of importance. They reflect your childhood. They reflect your adulthood. People retire from businesses and they take pictures. Uh, Grandkids get together with grandparents and all their children and they take pictures. My wife and I, uh, since we were here last, we have now a new grandson. Twelve grandsons, still no girls, but twelve grandsons. We had eleven, now we have twelve and the Lord just continued to bless us with that and we thank the Lord for it. So we take pictures and I noticed that the children change from one year to the next. That ever happened to your children? Even ourselves, we sometimes look in the mirror and think, we've changed a little bit from here to there. When my wife and I first got married, I weighed 160 pounds. I weigh a little bit more than that now. My life has changed. The pictures are different. 
I think we understand that pictures tell a story. And so we see pictures of our childhood, pictures of work, pictures of family, and we see what reflects upon those situations of life. We even sometimes sit down during Thanksgiving or Christmas and we'll pull out some of the old books of the pictures that we've set aside. Anybody have books at home with pictures? A few of you do. We'll pull them out from time to time. How many have pictures still of you when you got married? A few of you still remember that. Amen. You know, the, the idea is that they're for a remembrance. They're for a special time set aside for that purpose. And nowadays we can do them on our phone and just take pictures and do all kinds of things. We can erase the ones we don't want. Please do not erase the children. Amen. You can erase the situations of life that you don't really enjoy. Maybe it was a fuzzy picture or something, you know. But you have all these remembrances. And they're pictures of joy and excitement, special events of life that take place. Well, I'd like to go back in our mind's eye and think about that idea of the word picture. A picture of grace. Now, grace, we know, according to the Bible, is God's unmerited favor. God's favor given to mankind, even though we were at enmity with him, We know that we were sinners against him, but yet God showed his grace, his unmerited favor. His mercy, of course, is God not giving us what we deserve, but grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. And his favor is poured upon mankind because he sent his only begotten son to die for us. And I'm so glad he did, by the way. How about you? It may have been a few years ago what happened to you. It might have been last week that it happened to you. But God's grace is a wonderful thing. Picture God's grace in your own life, how he's changed you and transformed you to where you are today and what he has in store for us for the future. And even, we know he's coming again. We sang the song this morning. Even one day we're going to be in his very presence in a place called heaven. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? Say amen. I'm looking forward to that opportunity. But until then, we continue to live our life and do what we can to bring honor and glory to God. But reflecting back now all the way to the time of the nation of Israel, leaving the country of Egypt after 430 years, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, we find that God says to Moses, it's time to enter into the land of promise. Now, the land of promise was not heaven. It was a picture of the victorious life of the believer. And so we know they were going to go into this land, and God did not want them to just destroy the people for no good reason. They had rejected who God was. They had rejected Jehovah. They had turned against God. And God says, I'm going to give you this promise that if you go into the land, I will give you olive yards and vineyards and places you did not work for because those people have rejected me. They have a chance to know me, and yet they've turned away from me. And because of that, judgment is coming upon them, and I'm going to give you their land. So it was a promise from God. So Joshua takes over for Moses after Moses Moses dies. They mourn for him, and now it's time for Moses to... After he's gone, Joshua says, now it's time to stand up and move forward. God had told him plainly, as I was with Moses, I will be with you along the way. So he said, you need to stand up, get him ready to cross over the Jordan. Now, there were people during that time when they crossed over the Red Sea that were very, very aged people as well as young people. And if you've read your Bible or heard pastor preach any length of time, you know well as I do that they wandered for 40 years and all the people that were from 20 years of age to 60 years of age died in the wilderness. So that meant that the children that were younger made their way through and then children were born along the way. So from the 603,550 men of war they had when they first numbered the people, they would have all died except for two of them, Joshua and Caleb. And then we find that the second number when they numbered the people to enter into the land was 601,000 people. So God had replaced the people that had died. And when I say replaced, I mean there were more born. Individuals, of course, were separated. But we know that now more are born and God's going to bring a nation into the land of promise, the land of Canaan. Everybody still with me so far? So as we think about that sojourn coming in, the difference between the two is that at nighttime, God allowed the children of Israel to make their way through the Red Sea. Now it's daytime, and God's going to allow his children to cross over this river of fear called the River Jordan. It's overflown its banks, and God's going to allow them to go across this river, and God's going to give them victory and bounty and blessing when they go in there if they will trust the Lord and believe his word. Now, while all this is going on, everybody seems to be hearing the news about what's taking place. Because while they were on the other side of the Jordan, where they are right now in camp, while they're on that eastern side... They wipe out Sihon and Og, two of the most powerful nations, the Ammonite nation and the Moabite nation, the Amorites and the Ammonites, powerful kingdoms, and yet God's people went against them and won the battle by the powerful hand of God. The people had heard rumor about it. Nowadays, we would say it got on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and they heard it very quickly. 
But back in those days, the messenger, the post, the one that went out to give the message, it was brought to them later on as they would travel. But they had heard the rumor that God had done something wonderful, wiping out those enemies that they thought were no way going to be wiped out. And yet God gave victory to his people to do it. Now he sends two spies into the land to go across the Jordan River and to go into Jericho and to spy out the land. Now, remember last time, if you've read your Bible, you know they sent out 12 spies, right? One man from each of the tribes. And when they came back, 10 spies gave an evil report. Two spies gave a good report. That would be Joshua and Caleb. They wholly followed God. They believed God could bring deliverance and they obeyed the voice of the Lord. And so we find that now he says we're going to send two spies in. Maybe he'd learned his lesson. As a matter of fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses gave the law uh, to the people of God, he said, in the mouth of two witnesses, it shall be established. So you only need two witnesses to validate that what God said is true is true. By the way, if you don't believe the Bible, that doesn't mean it's not true. But we ought to believe the Bible. We ought to understand God's direction and be faithful to God's word. So we find that Joshua sends out two spies. These two spies, they now enter into the land that they're going into in a place called Jericho, a walled city, a fortified city with great watchtowers. They go to this city, they make their way in, and they go and they lodge. They find a place of lodging, a motel, if you please, at the place called where Rahab the harlot owned this business and where she lived. And so that's where they would lodge for the night. They made preparation when they got there, and everybody knew when they came into town they were strangers, and they knew what had taken place in the past. And so they're finding out that this individual, these individuals now have come for a purpose and they want to find out what it is. The leadership of Jericho wanted to find out. But what happened was something different than what they expected. You see, Rahab was a woman of the night. Rahab was a woman of harlotry. Rahab was a woman that at this time concealed the spies and hid them because she knew in her own heart that Jehovah God was the true God, not the Canaanite God that she worshipped, not the other gods that were in the land. She knew that the God of heaven, Jehovah God, was the one and only true God. And she says, I believe he is God. And I want you to tell me that you will spare my life because of the kindness I've shown you. Would you offer grace unto me? Be merciful, yes, but grace. She got something she didn't even deserve. Her life was spared. Her family was spared. And God poured out great blessings upon her even though she was a woman of harlotry. So I'd like to preach for a few moments from this text and relate to you what I see here is a picture, snapshots of a picture of the grace of God manifest in the life of Rahab. And if God loved her unconditionally, don't you think he still does the same? Especially since the writer of Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you have your Bible with you still, let's make our way, if you would, please, to verse number 1. Joshua 2, verse number 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shedom two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab, and they lodged there. Notice, first of all, this morning with me, if you would, the designation, the designation that Rahab faced. The designation number one was she was defiled by a life of sin. She was defiled by a life of sin. The record says that there's no husband here. No husband mentioned here. But she was a woman of harlotries. Now, I know we're in Sunday morning service. And I know that we're talking about something bad that's taking place. But the reality is, it's God that wrote his word. And I want to explain to you in 2019 that there are people that face the same issues in our day as they had in their days. There is all types of immorality. There's all types of bad behavior. There's all types of sin going on in our world. But here we find a woman that probably did not deserve the traits of of goodness in her life. But we find that Rahab was designated as one that was a harlot. She was a harlot who sold her body for sensual pleasure. As a harlot, she lived in a life of depravity. She had a picture in her own mind of what she wanted. And it shows us here that when she was involved with this, before anything happened to her, she was in a depraved state. She was not following God. Would you agree she was not following God? She was in a tough situation. She was defiled by a life of immorality and sin and debauchery. But her de- that day changed whenever these two men showed up. We notice also it says to us in the New Testament time that in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. 
Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then the next verse says, And such were some of you. God loved them unconditionally. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Somebody say amen. Our life was transformed by the wonderful grace of God. A picture of our life may not be exactly what that says, but it says, and such were your life has been changed, some of you, by the grace of God. Had the privilege to be in Sunday school this morning and teach a class, and I spoke from the book of Titus. Titus chapter number 3 about, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared toward man. It talks about the behavior of mankind. It says in verse number 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Don't raise your hand. But I've been foolish before. Disobedient, diseased, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Maybe you're not, your sin's not on the list there, but it's talking about the behavior. Paul said, I was just like that. Remember his testimony? Titus was like that as well. These other men the same way. He says, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Notice this, which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You think about that. We were sinners. We were destitute. We were depraved. We had a doomed future. We were depraved and doomed, have no hope, and yet God showed up. And this picture of story of grace here, we see that Rahab the harlot had problems in her life. She was debauched by sin. She was doomed by those situations. She was defiled in her life. She had nothing to do. But we find out that Rahab, living in Jericho, a pagan city full of idolatry, the city turned over to those things. They were fearful of the spies God because he changed everything that they thought would never change. The two kings being wiped out, all their lands being wiped out, the victory of the Red Sea. Can you imagine that picture in their mindset of what God had already done? Somebody had told them what God had done before. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he could do it again. Their hearts melted when they heard this news. They knew they were in a heap of trouble because Jehovah God was coming upon the scene. Rahab lived in this time period. Ephesians 2 verse 12 said at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Think about that. Rahab was not a Jew. She has, was not part of the covenant of promise. She did not have the hope of eternal life. So he says that's what you were like. You were turned away from the promises of God. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared in Titus 3. But it says also in Ephesians chapter number 2 that whenever you saw yourself in that state, it saw yourself in that particular behavior that God would do something wonderful. He says you had no hope without God. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one. And has broken down that middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make himself of twain one new man. So making peace. Here's the picture. Somebody that didn't deserve the grace of God. And yet Jesus Christ came and loved everybody the same. The ground is level friends at the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter what we've done, doesn't matter how depraved we are, how doomed we might be, we have hope in Jesus Christ. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only mediator between God and man. It's the person of Jesus Christ. The picture of grace displayed in Rahab's life, a depraved, doomed sinner, is rehearsed time and time again in the life of the children of God that are saved by His wonderful grace. Don't ever get over what God has done for you. The grace of God has saved you. Can you remember the time when you got saved? It might have been as a young child. It might have been in Sunday school or VBS or youth camp or sometime on visitation. It might have been in a church service. But you know what happened. Your life has been transformed by the grace of God. And it's not you that saved yourself. It's God that saved you. And we are kept saved by the power of God. He relates that to us. So we see her, her designation was that she was a harlot. 
She was depraved and doomed and defiled. Romans 5.18, Paul said, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. But through one, the person of Jesus Christ, we have received the atonement. What a blessing we have in Christ. That's my first point. Secondly, notice also the deity that Rahab feared. Not a Canaanite god, the deity that Rahab feared. Well, the most, most amazing aspects of the story to me is how a devout, devout Canaanite woman could be redeemed and transformed by God's wonderful grace. It doesn't seem like it's natural. It doesn't seem like it could happen. But I want you to see what took place. Look at verse number 9. It says in verse 9, And she said to the men, The two spies now have come in. They're lodging in her home. The people in the leadership are trying to find these men. She is hiding these men. And she says, I want you to know that I'm concerned about my life and, and the life of these two spies. She said unto them, I know. See that phrase, I? She said, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She said, personally, I want you to know I know who your God is. I know. I've heard of your God. I have heard of these things. I know who he is. She had heard about who God was. Verse number 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came up out of Egypt, what you did, what he, what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. They were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Now that's figurative language, obviously about how they lost all courage. They lost all strength. Neither did there remain any courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore, I, personal pronoun, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, you will also show kindness unto my Father's house and give me a true token or symbol. Let me ask you a question, church. That she deserved the grace. She did not deserve it. But she asked for the grace. She asked for help. Be merciful unto me. Let me know. I know who your God is. I have heard of your God. The Lord's compassion for this sinful woman is evident. She said, I have heard. I know. I hear these things. It brought fear into her life. She had a fear of God. The Bible teaches us about the fear of God. The Bible talks to us about the importance of knowing who God is and fearing Him and serving Him. So we know that God was working in her life. We know that she had heard the message. By the way, the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Aren't you glad that somebody shared God's Word with you? Hey, if our life has been changed, we've repented of our sins and turned to Christ, should we not be happy about that? Sure, we're going to have some sorrows. We're going to have some heartaches. We're going to have some hard times. There's going to be disease and death and infirmities of life. There's going to be troubles there, but he's the same God that saves you, that sustains you. He's the same God that has the omnipotence and power to be able to give you the strength you need for the journey that lies ahead, whatever that journey might be. We just heard Brother Denny mentioning about this young man, well, this actually little older man that had this stroke, and he has to have rehab. We know that that means there's going to be some work and some commitment, some sacrifice of time and effort, and we're praying that he'll get back to where he once was, correct? We want, to, we want to see that concern. So God's people should be concerned about their own spiritual walk, trying to serve the Lord. Here's this lady who is designated as a woman of the night, but she became a lady of the light. Her life was transformed by the grace of God. She had heard about the words of God. Look at verse number 11 of chapter 2. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart did melt, neither did there remain any more courage or strength in us. So not only did we see her hearing the word of God, she heeded the word of God. She took heed to it. The, the fear that Rahab felt was due to the fact that not only she heard the word of God, but she heeded the word of God. For any person to be saved, they must heed the word of God. They must hear it and obey it. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans six seventeen. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Listen, I cannot force people to make decisions. But I can tell you this. You need to make decisions. Everybody in this room has a future. It's either with God or without God. We are beings that are created in the image of God. And God has told us that one day we can be in His presence if we'll accept Him by grace through faith. 
We know that we have a home in heaven prepared for us. So the choice is yours. The next step for your life is do I know him as my savior or will I turn him away? Rahab this day presented something new to her. These two men came in to lodge. It was like a normal time for her, but she understood these men were different. She had heard of what their God had done to the folks on the other side of the Jordan. She had heard about the power of that God. She had heard about the Red Sea. And she says, I fear that God. I know that God. And she said twice, beloved, I believe in him. I know he's the God of heaven. I know he's changed life. He said, and if you would do something for me, if you would just help me, I want to be nice to you because I want to find this grace manifest in my life. I have done this that you might help me to be able to be with and know the God that you serve. She wanted to be on God's side. So she took heed to the word of God. And then when she did that, God helped. God helped her. She trusted in him. You say, well, how do you know that? I'll explain that when I get to the end and read some verses from the New Testament. But we do know and understand that God is worthy of our confidence, correct? I mean, God is worthy. He has great power. He's omnipotent. Listen, no person, listen, no person, no matter what we've done, is too hard for God to save. Nary a one. No one too hard. He has power to save anybody. No prayer is too hard for God to answer. There's no situation, no need too great for him to take control of. There's no problem too strong for him to answer. There's no situation of life, no misery that we face, no heartache that we have that will cause him to be overwhelmed by the situations of life. He has power and control and confidence. He is the sovereign God. He is the saving God. He is a God that cares for the children that he created. And he desires for us to know him in a personal, intimate way. When I was 17 years of age, a bus from a Baptist church came by and picked me up and took me to church. Within three months, God spoke to my heart about being saved. The preacher got up and preached, and he would point his finger it was almost like the finger was being extended ooh, ooh, right to my face. Now, it really didn't happen that way, but it sure did seem like it. I look around like, is he talking to me? And I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed to be saved. I thought to myself, how could God save somebody like me? But the grace of God was manifest and made known. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I realized I was a sinner. said, God, forgive him my sins. I repented of my sin and took heed to the word of God. I, I listened to what God had to say and I got saved by his wonderful grace. What a blessing it was. And by the way, that all happened because somebody picked me up on a bus and took me to church. I still remember the bus driver. I still remember my Sunday school teacher. And I still remember the day that God saved me. My whole life changed. It wasn't just about two months after that. And I went to youth camp for the very first time. Not even knowing what was going on. Not even knowing what youth camp was. But I went to youth camp. And on Tuesday night of youth camp, the man of God was preaching. And God spoke to me, not audibly, but he spoke to me and he said, I want you, I want you to be a preacher of the gospel. When I was 17 years old, I went forward and said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. And I've been preaching ever since. What a great blessing to know the will of God. I don't claim to be a great preacher, but i got a great subject matter to talk about. I've got a great book to proclaim. It's not Reader's Digest. It's not good housekeeping. It's thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I know that God loves me, but I know that God's also a God of justice. I know that God cares for people, but also God's a God of patience. No amen to that. A long-suffering God. And sometimes we have a chance and sometimes a second chance. But we don't know what chance we're taking. We just need to know we have a future as well. And that future is in the hand of God. God helped her when she cried out to these two men. God said, I'll use these men to show you my wonderful grace. She heeded the word of God because she understood the situation at hand. Because she understood the designation that she had faced and the deity that Rahab feared. We understand that she had a life change. A life change because of that. She became, she was no longer a harlot or an idolater. She was now saved by the grace of God. What a picture of grace. We go on down in the passage, if you would please, and Look on, if you would, down in verse number 15, chapter number 2. Then she let them down by the cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall. And she dwelt upon the wall, and she said to them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward you may go your way. And the men said to her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. 
Behold, when we come unto the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. Thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's house home unto thee. Bring them home. Isn't that a great way to talk about a place to live? It's not just the harlot's house. Bring them home. Bring them home unto thee. Because everybody that's in the house, when they come to destroy the city, everybody that's in the family that believes in the God of the Israelites that's in that house will be spared from the judgment to come. Gather them in. So she made a commitment. I will tell you. And he said, if the sign that you're going to do what we tell you is this scarlet thread. Now, by the way, it wasn't one little thread hanging out the window. If you remember earlier in the passage, it talks about they, she hid the spies among the flax. The flax was upon the roof. And the flax was used to make cords and ropes and um, linen and different clothing and garments and such like that. So the flax was being used by her to make stuff. And so she had this scarlet cord, the scarlet thread. This thread, this was apparently a rope, a scarlet rope that hung out the window and it let him down. So it can't be one little piece of thread, beloved, letting these two spies down. has to be a rope that's strong enough. By the way, if you've ever read the book of Judges later on, you'll find the book of Judges that it mentions the same thing, that there were ropes of flax on Samson that were tied together and made. And he said, the Philistines be upon thee. He broke them. Like they were just burning pieces of flax destroyed. And so we know the flax was important for what her, her livelihood was involved with. And so now we see that during this time that all these people are gathered and she, and she said, Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Can I be spared? Keep that cord in the window. And if everybody's brought into the house, we will keep our word. Move down if you would please with me. Verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren all to the home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. We will be guiltless. Whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, and any hand be upon him. So there were pretty good instructions here, right? As long as you're in the house, you're going to be spared. Outside the house, you shall be judged. You shall die. Is that a complicated church? Pretty simple message, right? He said, so when we come. Now, can you imagine this? She had already told us in the passage that go three days into the mountain and stay there until all the spies come back. So there's three days right there. You read the next chapter, it said the spies got back and they told them that into this chapter and the next chapter. It said the spies returned and then Joshua got everybody gathered together and they came over to the Jordan and they encamped at the Jordan. And he said, for three days, they had the elders go through and get ready and tell them what we're going to do. We're going to cross this Jordan River. Overflowing banks. He told everybody what's going to happen, how it's going to take place, where the Ark of the Covenant would be, where the priests would be. So three days, and they're traveling. Three days now, they're getting ready to come into the land. And they're going to go into that land. And then, and then Joshua was told by the angel of the Lord, when you get into the city, march around Jericho one time on the first day. March around Jericho one time on the next day. And on the seventh day, march around seven times. And then give a great shout and the walls will come tumbling down. But I wonder, I wonder what she was thinking. She knew, now stay with me. She knew she had three days at least to get her family inside the house. She did. She said, three days, you stay there from the pursuers. So she had three days. I wonder what it was like. Now, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. But it does tell us in chapter number six. Matter of fact, go there if you would. Chapter number six. In chapter number six, we see something else being said about victory. And go to verse number 22, chapter six. But Joshua said to the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as you swear unto her. And the young men that were with the spies went in, and they brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel, and they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. Sounds to me like they kept the promise. Can you imagine, though, in your mind's eye? Can you imagine with me? She had three days to tell her family, the God of Israel is the God I believe is the God of the universe. 
Not the Canaanite gods, not the idolatry gods, not the pagan gods we worship, not Molech, not Chemosh, not all these other pagan gods. Jehovah God, who did all those wonderful things, I believe that He is God. And I want you to know that I've been given a promise, an undeserved promise, the grace of God. These men said, I can live, and you can live, and you can be with me, and you can come in here, we'll be safe. If you come into my home, you can be safe until the city is destroyed. We can live, we can have victory and blessing. I wonder what it's like to tell her family that. Who's worshiping all these pagan gods. I wonder what it's like the first day they marched around the city. Today the day? Today the day they destroyed the city? She didn't know the plan, did she? She didn't know when it was going to happen, did she, church? She just had, had to believe. Stay in the house. Stay in the house. Come to the home. Understand what's going on. The compassion of these two men. Showing her trust and taking heed and hearing the word of God. She says, I want you to know that God, I believe the God that's going to change my life. I believe by faith that if I'll do what you tell me, that I'll be spared from these situations. This is a picture of her faith being revealed. Can I say to you that in James chapter number 2, you don't have to turn there. But in James chapter number 2 verse 25, here's what James said. I believe that James was the half-brother of the Lord. And that James said these words about his, his brother. About the Savior. Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? You see, her belief changed her behavior. She had action to her faith. She wasn't saved by works, but because she believed, she worked. She hid the spies and sent them out. Joshua 2 tells us all these things. So, not only do we see her situation of her picture, but there was a great prophet that came from that. So, what do you mean by that? Well, we just read in chapter number 6 that that victory came. Go back to chapter 6, verse 17. Chapter 6, verse 17. And it tells us also what transpired. It says in verse 17, these words, And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. She didn't deserve the grace of God. Wicked, vile, corrupt person. And yet God's grace was manifest. The picture is seen as we look at her life. We see what God has done. By the way, also, I'd like to read this verse, Matthew 1, verse 5. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king. She wound up in the genealogy of our Savior. It's pretty amazing. This particular person, in some right great way, God used her. This prostitute, prostitute living in Jericho, concealed Joshua's spies, spared by the invading Israelites, uh, is now included among the people of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, she's cited as an example in, in James chapter number 2, she's an ancestor of Christ. In Matthew chapter number 1, you talk about a picture of a transformed life. Here she goes from one night, a woman of the night, to a lady of the light, by faith trusting and believing that God could do something. And he did just that. He spared her and her family and all those that were involved in there because they believed that when the people of God would come in, that whatever day it might have been, if they were inside the house, inside the home, they would have the blessings of God. May I say to you, my friend, it is not it is not good works that save you. It is not church membership that saves you. It is not being kind to people that saves you. That's good to be involved with. It's not being involved in, in baptism that saves you, not being involved in doing something that we might be involved in saying, hey, I need to see that happen. What saves us is the grace of God. And everybody in this room that's saved by that grace of God understands and knows you were once dead in sin. Now you're alive in Christ Jesus. We may not be what we ought to be, but we're not what we once were. We need to be faithful to the things of God. I see here a picture of God taking a woman and changing her life. And in some great way, She was transformed and God used her in our life, in her life and in ours. We need to have the wisdom of God to do what we can to bring honor and glory to Him and live to the praise of His glory by being a picture of that wonderful grace that God has transformed us with and want to live a life that's transforming as well for others to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Can you remember the time when you got saved by God's grace? We didn't deserve it, did we, church? Sir, ma'am, we didn't deserve it. But God saw you in your destitute state. He saw you in that situation. He declared unto you in that depiction of your faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
Faith without works is dead, being alone, saved by the grace of God, saved by faith in God, honoring and bringing glory to him. She's before God now as one of the, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Listen, I know what God's going to do with you or with me, but I can tell you this. If we're his children, he cares. And if you're not his child, he cares. He wants you to become part of his family. Whosoever will may come. I believe that Christ died for the whole world. And I believe he wants everyone to come to him. But I believe he gives you a choice and me a choice to make the decision that we were in. One day, two men came into town. She had heard who they were. She put them in lodging. She sent them away. Her life was spared. Her life was changed because she had faith to believe what the spies had said. Joshua heard it. Joshua declared it. It became a reality. Her life was transformed. I like to remember when Christ saved me. I hope that you do as well. We need to make sure that sometime in our life that we bow the knee, not just for salvation, but remind him how much we love him, how much we care for him because of the picture of God's grace. Remember the camera in the beginning? Picture of all these camera pictures? Hey, I remember when that was going on. I remember that time there, and I remember that there. And some of us in this room actually have pictures of loved ones that have left us and gone to the other side. We still have the picture. We don't have the substance. But we have the hope that if they knew the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll see him again in heaven. I'd like to challenge you today. Make your calling of election sure. Two men came. The whole house was spared because of the grace of God. God sees you right where you are. And if you're not saved by his grace, he'd like to save you today. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the accepted time. And if you are saved by his wonderful grace, are you living a life that's a picture of what Christ has done for you? It demonstrates the goodness of God and the blessing he's been to you. If not, confess it. God, help me. Forgive me. Help me to live right, to talk right, to obey right, to do right, to honor you with my life, and to live for the honor and praise of God. And I'm sure that we pray that, that God will allow it to happen in all of our lives. Thank you for your good attention. Let's bow for prayer. Before I pray today, I'd like to ask this very serious question. If you're here today and you'd say, Brother Pearson, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt there was a time in my life that I've been saved by the grace of God, and I'm not ashamed to say I'm a Christian. Anybody like that want to just raise their hand? Just raise your hand saying, I know that I'm saved. Yes, what a beautiful sight. As God looks down from heaven, you may put your hands down. What a beautiful sight of the manifestation of God's grace to your life. If you're here today and you could not raise your hand, I appreciate your honesty and your transparency. But I'd like to ask you this question. Would you like to know for certain that heaven could be your home? We could take a Bible today and show you more about God's love and his concern and his grace that he offers to man. No matter what we've done, friend, he can forgive us. He can change us. He can save us. Perhaps you're here and you're not a Christian. You're not saved. You'd say, Brother Pearson, I'm not certain that heaven is my home. I don't believe I know Christ. Pray for me that I might be saved before it's eternally too late. I'd like to pray for you all across this auditorium. Perhaps you might raise your hand even now and say, Pray for me. I'm not certain that heaven's my home, that Christ is my Savior. Just let me pray for you. Anybody at all, just raise up your hand, just up and back down, that I might pray for you. I see no hands. I see a hand right there. Thank you very much. I see one hand, and I'll pray for this person. I ask your church to pray for this individual as well. Anybody else? Be able to pray. Be able to pray and talk. Concern. Pray for God's will. Anybody else? Raise your hand up and back down that I might pray for you. All right, you that are believers, you that know the Lord, how many can say, Brother Pearson, I just want to say thanks to God, and I want to remind God during this Thanksgiving time, I want to remind God, and I need to remind God more than once, about how thankful I am for His grace in my life. I want to remind God that how grateful I am that somebody told me about Him, and my life has been changed. I don't want to take for granted the grace of God. Brother Pearson, pray for me that I'd have a humble heart and a heart in tune with God. And you've given me a reminder today about praying about what God has done. And I just want to thank God and I want you to pray for me that I'll continue to thank God for the grace of God he's bestowed in my life. Anybody like that this morning? Oh, yes, hands going up everywhere. And I'll do just that. Hands going up everywhere. Thank you so much. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your willingness to look down to us upon the earth and mind the things of the Lord in the hearts of your people. I pray, God, that you might bless this one that raised their hand about salvation. I pray, God, that as they're being dealt with even now, Lord, that you would just speak to their heart, show them their need for Christ, and they'd be saved this day. I pray, God, for the many that raised their hands, Lord, that 
are knowing they're saved, but, but God, they're glad they've been reminded about the, the thankful heart they ought to have, the joy they ought to have in their heart for the goodness of God. And God, I pray you'd help us to live right too and talk right and behave right and just, just bless those, God, that have a desire to want to follow after you. Thank you for their good attention this morning to your word. Now, God, it's time for them to be able to respond to what you've said, to make application to the, to the message today. And I pray, God, for everyone that raised their hand, that, God, even now they'd bow a knee or come to an old-fashioned altar and talk to you about your goodness to their life. May you continue to bless Heritage Baptist Church. Every individual that comes, every home that's represented, pray, God, for your bounty and your blessing to be upon each one. Thank you now, God, for the time we've had. I pray, God, you'll help folks to respond appropriately. You'd be glorified in the invitation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand, if you would, please. The invitation begins. You respond if you need to respond today. Reminder picture of God's grace. Great message this morning, and nothing else. I want to ask all the believers in here to bring before you the thanksgiving, a heart of thanksgiving, and also to ask God to give the compassion back in our hearts for our family members and our relatives and those who are unsaved that we we like Rahab and. Make sure that we bring them in to the house of God so they can hear the gospel message. Father, thank you for uh, this morning's message. And uh, Father, thank you for the wonderful picture of God's grace. And Father, thank you for the giving of your only begotten Son. And thank you, Father, that he lived a perfect life and shed his blood, and uh, Lord, to be the propitiation for our sins. And to Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for saving us. And Lord, just as we sometimes look back at our photos of our young children and uh, Lord, a picture of the day that we uh, got married, we, uh, Lord, come with a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, help us each day. Uh, Lord, uh, to go back to that picture of grace on that day where you, uh, Lord, reali- we realized that we were sinners and needed, uh, Lord, you to save us. And you reached down from heaven and and uh, forgave us of our sins and, and uh, helped us to become a child of God because we placed our faith in your Son. Father, thank you for our salvation. And thank you, Father, for from that day forth that you... Uh, look to want to change us, to make us to be the image of Jesus Christ. And uh, Father, until that day that you come and rapture the church uh, back to eternal glory with you, help us, Lord, to continue to change and to be like Jesus Christ and to have the compassion that Jesus had on souls. And I pray, Father, that you'll help our church to finish this year strong and to, uh, Lord, not to be satisfied with the souls that have been saved and souls that have been baptized already this year, but, Lord, to continue to go forth and to the highways and byways, to the hedges, and, the Lord, to reach people for Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for to, this morning for working in our hearts. pray that you'll bless this afternoon and the rest of the day and bring us back safely, Lord, uh, to hear your word tonight and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.